Amen. Let's take God's Word and go to the book of the Psalms this evening and find, if you would, Psalm 13. Psalm 13, and we'll begin reading here in just a moment in verse number 1. Psalm 13. This is a psalm of David, and David is uh, the anointed king. He's a young man, and he has not yet assumed the throne and Saul is reigning and on the throne, and Saul, of course, is filled with rage and jealousy and hatred of David. Many false accusations have been made against David, and David and his band of men are on the run. He is fleeing, and he fled for many, many years, and there were different cycles of time in different geographical locations uh, that marked those cycles when David was in the wilderness fleeing from Saul. And the Bible tells us in verse number 1, as David writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and as he pours out his soul to God, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemy say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice. When I am moved, but I have trusted in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. I, I want to speak to you on this subject this evening, songs in the night. Songs in the night. It was an old radio program. I think it was on the Moody Network years ago, Songs in the Night. I think Dr. Al Smith was the leader of that program, Songs in the Night. Well, where does that come from? Well, Elihu said in Job chapter 35 and verse number 10 that God gives songs in the night. And we find that phrase in the Scriptures, the songs in the night. And as we speak about the night here, we obviously understand from the tone of the psalmist that this is the tone of one who is discouraged and depressed. And in his condition, he is longing for deliverance. He is crying out for God to deliver him. And as he cries out and as he waits for God's deliverance upon him in the midst of his despair, in the midst of his darkness, in the midst of the depression that has come against him, he's wondering as he, as he cries out to God, How long, O Lord? How long? And, of course, the discouragement and the despair comes because while he's longing for deliverance, it isn't coming. And his, deliver, his, 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 his longing for deliverance leads to his despair. And it looks to him as if the Lord has lost interest. Have you ever been there? 
where you thought the Lord perhaps has lost interest in you and in your life? I've been there, and many of us have been there. And oftentimes, it's not something we like to discuss. It's not like something we want to, 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 to really recognize or to admit or to confess because we're afraid that it might demonstrate that we, are, uh, we have a weakness. Well, let me tell you, there's, there's no doubt that we have a weakness, right? And the sooner that we recognize that and the sooner that we, we, we try to stop hiding that, doesn't mean we put all our problems on display for the world to see. But we don't have to wrap all of our problems in a shroud of pride and pretend that everything is always great because there are times of great difficulty. And wouldn't we agree that David is a mighty warrior? I mean, he slew Goliath, right? And he slew many of the enemies of Israel. He is the anointed king of Israel. He is one of the most favored men in all the land. But here he is in the midst of darkness and despair. And we find David weary. We find him on the run. We find him fleeing from Saul, depressed and discouraged. And so we find that trouble has come to his life. And just like us, when trouble comes, what does David seek? He seeks deliverance from his circumstances. He, he is crying out to God and he's saying, Lord, here are my circumstances. Would you please deal with my circumstances? That's what we all pray. But we're going to find that God not only wants to deal with our circumstances, but he uses our circumstances to deal with us. God uses these circumstances in our lives because he is dealing with us. We want God to remove our sorrow. God wants to remove our sin, the sin that resides in our soul that we're not even aware of, attitudes and, and, and habits and, 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 and thought patterns that are displeasing to God, a sense of self-reliance that is displeasing to God, maybe an attitude toward other people that is displeasing to God, and God is going to use difficulty, and God is going to use circumstances in our lives to deliver us from that sin. And so we find that here he is, seemingly in the hand of the devil, really. I mean, we might... We might we might think that would be true, right? He's, he's out in the wilderness, right? He's fleeing for his life, correct? Saul, the most powerful man in Israel, is trying to kill him. And we might think his life is in Satan's hands and his life's in Saul's hands, but the truth of the matter is his life is not in either one of those men's hands or the devil's hands. His life is in God's hands. And our lives are in God's hands. And that's why the psalmist said, I will not fear what ten thousands may do to me. And he began to recognize through the struggles of his life and through the trials of his life that his life was not in the hands of any man. And so if you're working in a place where you've got a, a bad boss, 
And you think, boy, one slip up and I'm done. Your life's not in the hands of a bad boss or a deceiving co-worker or an unkind neighbor. You may be dealing with all those people, but let me tell you that your life is in the hands of the Lord. And so here he is in the night season. And God gives him a song in the night. And may God help us as we go through the night seasons. I want you to note some things. If you're writing them down, I would encourage you to do that. Number one, we see the despair of the forgotten. The despair of the forgotten. Now, David is not forgotten, but he thinks he is. Because he feels as if he has been forgotten. You know, our emotions and our feelings are tricky things, aren't they? Our emotions and, and our feelings are very deceptive. And they're, they're very <clears throat> inconsistent. We can be up, we can be down, we can be happy, we can be sad. Uh, our emotions move erratically like a roller coaster. And uh, they're very deceptive. Uh, they can lead us to believe something is true that isn't. And so here is the psalmist, overwhelmed with emotion, David is. And notice what he says here in verse number 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? So he feels as if he has been forgotten as if God has forgotten him. The Bible says in Isaiah 49 in verse number 15, can a woman forget her sucking child? A mother forgetting her nursing infant? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. <laughs> I'm glad that God's promised he's, he's not going to forget me, friend. He cannot forget me. He loves me. And he'll never let me go, and he'll never let you go. And so the psalmist said, I, I, I feel like God has forgotten me. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Not only does he feel forgotten, but he feels forsaken. God is hiding from me. I, I can't find him. I, I'm looking for him. Not only did he forget me, but when I approach him, I cannot find him. He's nowhere. And by the way, if you look in Psalm 12, would you look there with me? <clears throat> you see, we're going to find that David felt very forsaken, not only by God, but by men. Uh, notice in Psalm 12, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. And so here's David. He feels all alone. He feels like maybe he's the only one. Well, we feel that way, don't we? I'm looking for help. I'm running from Saul. I, I, I'm being unjustly accused. And <clears throat> it seems like everybody's in on this conspiracy against me. Everybody's willing to betray me so they can be elevated in the eyes of Saul so they can be rewarded by Saul. It seems like there's nobody else around me who really cares about me. There's nobody else who really wants to do right. Have you ever been there? 
Oh, I've been there. You've been there. And David was there. And when we believe that we've been forsaken by men, it is so easily, uh, it is so easy for us to fall into this feeling that not only have men forsaken us, but God has forsaken us. And that's how he felt. Now, how did he get there? How did he get there? How do we get there? Well, we have some insight, don't we? Notice, notice the question. Verse 1, how long? How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? Then again, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? Then verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in, thy, in my soul? Again in verse 2, how long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? What contributed to these feelings that he had been forgotten and forsaken by God and by man? Well, first of all, it's long delays. I mean, this circumstance continued, and it didn't seemingly come to an end. We have people in our church who've gone through some great testings. Maybe you wouldn't classify them as great trials, but they're, they're great testings in their life. And, and they've wondered, are they ever going to come to an end? We've had people struggling for employment, and, 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 and I think uh, of people who had to take jobs in, in distant places and travel great distances just, just to hold down a job and wonder, when, when was God going to come through? When was God going to open the door here? What is God doing? Does God care? Has he forgotten about me? I want to tell you that God has not forgotten about you. And so these long delays, when are my kids going to make a turnaround? Uh, when is my family going to be what it was? When is this illness, this physical malady, going to ever get better in my life? How long, oh Lord? How long? And, and so these long delays come. James Montgomery Boyce quotes Andrew Fuller, who said this, It is not under the sharpest, but the longest trials that we are most in danger of fainting. When Job was accosted with evil tidings in quick succession, he bore it with becoming fortitude. But when he could see no end to his troubles, he sunk under them. You see, they said, how long? These long delays contributed to these feelings. Not only did long delays contribute to these feelings, but the lack of blessings or maybe I could state it better by saying the lack of perceived blessings contributed to these feelings. Notice again in verse number 1, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? In other words, God, I don't see your face. I, don't, I am not receiving in my perception, in my understanding as I look at this trial as I survey these circumstances, I do not see that you're blessing me. How long? How long? We go through seasons like that, don't we? We read the Bible, and it seems as if God's not speaking. We teach our class, and it seems as if God's not blessing. 
we work our bus route, and we do what we do, but kids aren't coming. We, we, we have choir, and we have preaching, and we go on visitation, and just doesn't seem like anything's working. We wonder where God is in it. We're trying to make adjustments in our home with our kids, but it doesn't seem like things are getting better. On the job, in life, our finances, our health, it just seemed like God wasn't blessing. So there's a lack of blessings. And then there were the lows of his emotions. The lows of his emotions. Notice it again. Verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? As these delays seemingly were longer, as the blessings were lacking, as, as he contemplated his circumstances, his emotions sank low. He was full of sorrow daily. There was no end in sight. It wasn't getting better. It was only getting worse. His emotions were low. Then we see the loss of victory. Notice it again in verse 2. How long shall mine enemies be exalted over me? I can't get a win here. (laughs) I can't win for losing. You ever been there? You know? You You get a income tax refund, then you get a bill that takes the whole thing. You get a birthday check from your mother-in-law, then you got to buy some new tires. You know how that works, right? You can't ever get ahead. You can't get on the victory side. And we begin to wonder, has God forgotten us? And has God forsaken us? The despair of the forgotten. But we see the second thing, and that is the prayer of the falling. The prayer of the falling. Notice in verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. The word moved there means to stumble and to fall. The psalmist is, in in his mind, he he perceives uh, that he has been forgotten. And in his mind, in these circumstances, and with his emotions running low, he perceives not only that he's forgotten, but he perceives that he's about to fall. And as he sees himself faltering, what does he do? Well, he prays. He prays. And often that's what it takes for many of us to pray, is we must see ourselves faltering, our plans failing, things that we had hoped in falling. Why? Well, because God will use those things to draw our attention to him. And so what does he say? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Now, that's a very important statement. He he doesn't complain to his friends. He he doesn't, of course, he doesn't feel like he has any. That's sometimes our problem. We'd rather tell our friends than tell the Lord, right? 
Let me tell you what's wrong with me. Give me some advice here. And we, there are times when we need to do that, no doubt, but where should we primarily take those things? To the Lord. Well, David's in a position where he feels like he has nowhere to go but to God. And so he says, Lord, consider and hear me. Look, Lord, please look at me. Hear me. Answer me. The prayer of the falling. Now, this is the transition point in this psalm. This is the transition point in it. Now, he's going to spend more lines in the first two verses speaking about his trouble than he is in the next two speaking about his prayer. So he's offering his prayer now to the Lord. He's consumed with his problems, but now he's giving his prayer to the Lord. In four short lines, he voices his prayer. Now, he says, consider me, look on me. Now, there's two problems he has here. Number one, he's tired. Light mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. You ever been tired? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too personal, but just looking at this crowd tonight, I'd say there's a few. But he's not just talking about Wednesday evening at 10 to 8 tired. He's talking about, I'm exhausted. I've been out here in this wilderness. I've been running. I've been fighting. I've been, I've been trying to do right, God. I've been, I've been trying to wait on you, and nothing's happening. And I'm just tired. I've given everything I know to give. I've done everything I know to do, and nothing's changing. I'm just tired. That's where he is. And so he says, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. In verse 4, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice. Not only was he tired, but he's troubled. People on every hand coming against him, scheming, lying, striving against him. In Psalm 3, verses 1 and 2 he says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. So he's tired and he's troubled. And what does he do? He cries out to God. And he said, Lord, lighten mine eyes lest I die. Give me some strength against the enemy unless he rejoices. When I moved, so someone wrote and said, moves made in the will of God, though they might look like losses, are working according to God's eternal and glorious purposes. Moves made in the will of God, though they might look like losses, are working according to God's eternal and glorious purposes. Well, I'm Moses, and I think God wants me to deliver the children of Israel. <laughs> so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to smite that Egyptian, and these people are going to rally behind me. Well, it didn't happen, did it? Where would Moses end up? On the backside of the wilderness. Forty years. What do you think he thought? 
roam in that wilderness with those sheep. I had an opportunity and I blew it. I had a chance and I blew it. And here I am with these sheep and God's forgotten me. And it's never going to happen. But that's exactly what God was doing to get him ready to do the work. And for the next 40 years, he's going to lead and God's going to use him and God's going to give him strength. His natural force is not abated. I mean, this guy, he is God's man. What about Joseph? Fellows, I dreamed a dream. The sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed down and made reverence to me. Oh, we're not going to. Who do you think you are, Joseph? All your dreams. We're sick of hearing about your dreams. We're tired of your dreams. They're never going to come to pass. We're going to sell you into slavery. Well, we might kill you. No, we're not going to kill you. We're going to sell you into slavery. We're going to carry you down. These fellows right here are going to take you down to Egypt in the house of Potiphar. Looked like a loss, didn't it? What was God doing? He's getting him one step closer to fulfilling his plan. In the house of Potiphar, he got a pretty nice position there. Things seem to be going well. God's hand is on him. I mean, if I was going to live anywhere, I'd probably want to live in the house of Potiphar. But then you know what happens. His wife says, lie with me. He says, no. She gets mad. She accuses him falsely. And where's he going now? To the prison. Can't you imagine the devil walking alongside of him? Hey, Joseph, what about all those dreams, buddy? I mean, here you're trying to, you're still trying to hold on to doing right. You're still trying to hold on to those dreams. Look what doing right did. You did right by your daddy. Your brothers hated you. You did right by Potiphar and by God. And look what happened. His wife hates you. Now you're going to prison and you're going to rot there. Don't you think the devil told him that? Absolutely. You see, it looked like a loss, but it wasn't a loss. Do you know what God was doing? He was putting him one step closer to fulfilling his plan. Because the butler and the baker were going to come in there one day and they're going to need their dream interpreted. And God had the man there to do it. You see, when it looks like, when it looks like we're about to fall, we're not falling. God is advancing us. I'm standing on the solid rock, and so are you. And so we see the prayer of the falling. Here's in the midst of his faltering, what does he do? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. O Lord, Jehovah, my God, Elohim, Jehovah, the covenant God, Jehovah, the God who made me a promise. Samuel shows up. He says, I'm here to anoint the new king. I don't think he was that bold because he was afraid he was going to get killed by Saul. But that's what he was come to do. And he anointed, he, looked, he didn't anoint, he looked at all of Jesse's sons and he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And he said, nope, 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 that's not him. I don't see the way men see. I look on the heart. So who do you find? David. They anointed him. That means God called him. God separated him. God put his hand on David. And God said, he's going to be the king. Now here's David years later, and he's out in the wilderness, and he thinks he's going to be killed. And he calls on God, 
Oh, Lord, Jehovah, the one who made the promise to me. Oh, Jehovah, Elohim. That's the powerful God. Not just the God of promise, but the God of power. Jehovah Elohim means he can make me a promise, and Elohim, he means he has the power to keep it. He has the power to keep it. No man can, uh, no man can override God's will. No, no, no force of hell can defeat God's purposes and plans. What God has said he will do, he will do in our lives. And David reminds himself when he prays to the God of promise and the God of power. As he's praying, he's reminding himself that Saul can't win. God will deliver him. So we see the prayer of the fallen. Now we see the last thing. That is the song of faith. The song of faith. Look at verse 5. Fill in the blank, will you? But I have what? I've trusted. I had a friend write a few years ago. He gave me a book. I was discouraged, and he gave me a little book, and he wrote in, in the cover of the book, when you can't track him or trace him, you can trust him. When you can't track him or trace him, you can trust him. Well, David said, I, I can't track him. I don't think he's tracking me, but he was. I can't trace him, but I can trust him because he is the Lord my God. That's who he's praying to. I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Fill in the blank, church. I will, I will, I will unto the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. I mean, Sunday morning when, 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 uh, when uh, Andrew comes to the pulpit and it says, turn in your, in your hymnals and find this hymn and let's sing it together. What should God's people be doing? We should be singing. Not standing there looking at our phone. Not standing there with our hands crossed like we're bored to death. We should be singing. Why? Because he has lifted my feet out of the miry clay. He has put me on a solid rock. He has established my goings. He's put a new song in my heart. If I can't sing here, I don't know if I'll be able to sing much there. So you just don't understand. I mean, you just don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't have any idea. And you're right, I don't. And I'm not trying to make light of what you're going through. But God said he gives us a song in the night. When you're having problems, there's no time to get out of church. I'm amazed at how many people do. Then they find every, every excuse under the sun why they don't come to church anymore. Well, it's the youth group. Well, those ladies don't talk to me. Blah, 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 blah. Well, who are you coming to worship? The youth group? 
or those ladies? No, you're coming to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The problem is somewhere along the line, we've forgotten about that. We've got our eyes on all this, and that's why we get discouraged and decide, hmm, having a hard time. God's not coming through for me. Look what he's doing for them. I'm not going to sing at church. In fact, I'm not even going. And it happens time and time again. But God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you're going through it, that's the time to sing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Today, just in my own mind, in my own heart, just struggling in my, in my flesh, I just thought, I'm going to play some music. And I put on, put on, I don't have a record player. I found George Beverly Shea. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. This world affords today. And then he's saying, uh, Jesus speaks peace to me. And I needed that. And you know what happened? Things changed in my heart. The storm clouds kind of parted. The sun began to shine again. You see, when we start singing to God, it does something. When we start praying, it does something. Now, notice what happens here. That prayer, that prayer that he prayed did not bring an immediate change of circumstance to David. I mean, because Saul and his army are still out there. It did not bring an immediate change to his circumstance, but that prayer did bring an immediate change to his perspective. Because before, all he could talk about was trouble, trouble. I'm forgotten. I'm forsaken. No man cares for me. That mean old Saul, he's coming after me. I hadn't done anything wrong. Why in the world has this guy got something against me? I mean, man, oh, man, I can't trust anybody. And then all of a sudden, he starts praying, and he says, Consider me, oh, Lord, my God. And his perspective changed. And when his perspective changes, notice the results. Verse 5, do you see the first word? But, but indicates a transition from fear to faith, from doubt to dependence. But I have what? I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Well, what do you think he thought about? The day Samuel showed up, anointed him as king? The day he went in and fought Goliath and slew him? The day he killed the lion and the bear? The victories that God had allowed him to win? The blessings of God upon his life? He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've forgotten something. Here I said God forgot me, but wait a minute. Maybe I've forgotten God. And what is it that I've forgotten? I've forgotten how good he is. Oh, Lord, you've dealt bountifully with me. That word bountifully speaks of God's goodness and generosity. 
He took his eyes off his troubles, and he saw God's goodness. He remembered. And you know what remembering does? Well, it produces trusting. And trusting produces rejoicing. And rejoicing produces singing. And there he is with a song in the night. And no, David's circumstances haven't changed. But yes, David has. And no, David's circumstances haven't changed. But more importantly, no, neither has God changed. He's still the same. And so God gives us songs in the night. Maybe you're in the night. Maybe you're in that time of despair, that time of darkness, that time of depression. Maybe you're wondering, Lord, how long? I mean, have you forgotten me? Have you forsaken me? The delays are long. There's a lack of blessing. There's a emotions are running low, and there's no victory, only losses. And we think, what is God doing? Well, that's the time we need to draw near to him. Draw near to God, he'll draw nigh to you. It's not the time to get out of church. I know I'm preaching the Wednesday night crowd. I'm always doing that. I'm, I need to preach this another time, right? I understand. But maybe God wants you to hear it tonight. Maybe God wants you to hear it so you can tell somebody. We all know somebody who needs to hear it, right? And then he prayed. That pray, that prayer, that's the hinge of the whole thing. It changes it all because then he sees God. And when he sees God, he can sing to him. And if we can't sing, we need to get another glimpse, right? Need to get another glimpse. If you're a young person and you're too cool to pick up a hymnal and sing, you need to get a glimpse of Jesus. If you're an older person and you're just, you know, it's just, it's just beneath you to pick up a hymnal and sing, you need to get a glimpse of Jesus. Because, friend, we're here to sing to Jesus. We're here to worship Jesus. And, oh, when we begin to sing, how it strengthens our hearts as we remember what God has done for us.